You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from the Broadcast Basement. Every week we do 30 minutes of good on beer, fatherhood, and fun. But right now you're getting 30 minutes of the White Sox with Chris and Dave. It's Socks in the Basement. Now. Before we get into the show today. Let's do it. The World Series has started. Okay. Yay. I got to be honest with you. I'm wholeheartedly rooting for the uh, Dodgers. And, and, why, I, and why is that? I, well, I'm, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. One, because... Late night MLB Network, which is really the only way that I watch anything that has to do with Major League Baseball anymore. I won't turn on ESPN. Oh God! No. I, I just wanna, I just wanna see stats and talk baseball. I don't care about your side stories and your pontificating and everything else that you do and your East Coast bias. I'm sick of that as well. So, MLB Network will show the West Coast games in the evening. That's their programming. They'll throw on a West Coast game. And the Dodgers were good, and even though you get a Giants game every once in a while, or you get a Padres game every once in a while, they throw a lot of Dodger games on. Because it and like, I saw a lot of Dodger games. Because this year. at nine o'clock at night, what else are you going to put right. on? Exactly. So I watched a lot of Dodger games this year. Okay. Okay. I'm up late at night, and I'm looking for a ball game, and the Sox are over, and I can after the White Sox game, I can flip on the Dodgers, and I've, I picked them up in the third inning. See what I'm saying? So right. I've watched this team a lot. Add in the fact that I'm not a big fan of Boston and New York. Because all you hear about is Boston, Boston, New York. New York is all you ever hear of, and and the fact that I got a buddy of mine who uh, I went out and visited him in L.A. for Game Seven last year. He met me at the airport with a Clayton Kershaw shirt. I have no reason to wear it any other time of the year except now. Okay. So I I, I had to go find it. I busted it out, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play Dodger fan during the World Series. So I've, those are my reasons behind it. I, I need to have a rooting the, interest. When's the last time the Dodgers won a World Series? Nineteen eighty was eighty eight was their last one. The one with Lasorda in it. Okay. Eighty eight was their last one. Was that yeah. the uh, was that the Kirk Gibson yeah. Yeah. one? Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. that's it. Okay. Well, they're they're so, probably they're probably they're actually about the due. underdog. They're, they're the about underdog, yeah. and they and it's been a long time for their fan base. So you can sit there and say payroll, 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 but do you really want to see the Boston Red Sox jumping around again? No. I mean, the Red Sox are going to win. I think that's obvious to me. The Red Sox are incredibly good. And they're going to win. They're going to win. But I'm rooting for the Dodgers. Just like last year, I was like, the Astros are going to win. I told my buddy in L.A., I'm like, they're going to win. I'm pulling for your boys because we're boys, but the Astros are going to win. They're better. And I, you can see that most of the time. And I think American League teams have a massive advantage in the World Series over National League teams. They're just built differently. American League pitchers have to go one through nine through a much tougher batting order than a National League pitcher has to do. Right, because you got your weak hitter in the eighth and a pitcher in the ninth. Exactly. It, to them, it's cake when they're when they're going to get to play them in, in Los Angeles. They're going to sit there and say, oh, this is great. I get an inning off every couple innings where I can just kind of just throw some junk down the middle and get out of the inning. Mm. So it's to their advantage. Everything lined up perfectly. Your aces starting the thing off. They're, they could pitch three games in this series everything's lined up perfectly for both teams. They're getting their best against their best. It just should be a fun series. It's a shame we're not in it, but I'm looking forward to that one day. It'll be th- it'll be here, man. We'll you brought in you brought in an article so, that you want to discuss. Yeah, so if you'll allow me a second here. There's, we Who wrote talked, the article? 
Well, Chuck Garfine. Chuck Garfine. So we who I'm slowly starting to suspect is listening to Socks in the Basement. No, I <laughs> good, really I, good, this is why good. I, this is why let me explain before so, you jump into the article. Before you jump into the article, this is why I think Chuck Garfine is listening to Socks in the Basement. Because we're legit competition? I think so. I, I, I think also the fact that there's been some things that he's they've come out with, his podcast has done things after we've talked about them. Like Kittle comes on the show and compares uh Pelka to Pasqua. 48 hours later, an article comes out through their feed comparing Pelka and Pasqua. Trolls. And it wasn't and it wasn't even like a very complete one. It was more like a clickbait one where they just kind of showed some stats. They didn't get into it very much, but it's like they rushed that out there as quick as they could. He's, he's trolling us, Chris. You see what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, I'm seeing weird little things from time to time where like we talk about something and then they talk about it almost immediately after we've talked about it with almost the same viewpoint as hmm. to what we said. And I, I know we don't have the listeners that they have, but we're growing. So I just wonder, I just, there's something in me that thinks maybe it's subconscious. Maybe he listens to the show and he goes, hey, these guys aren't that bad. And he listens to the show. And then the idea of something we were talking about is in his head. And it comes out two days later when they're talking about it. But we've beaten them on several things recently. So the reason why I bring this article in is because there are, we've talked a lot about how not just the Sox, but all of the te- all of the teams in this town will use certain media outlets or certain journalists, journalists, quote unquote, to kind of get their message out, to kind of give you the fan base who's really paying attention what they're what the team is thinking. We as Sox fans heard it for years with Chris Ranji. I mean, we knew oh, this. All, all he was doing was pretty much telling you what the organization was thinking. Now, and for a while, Joe Cowley was doing that. Yes. And then it became yes. adversarial. But yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, the reason why I bring this in is because now there are plenty of articles that are going around about, oh, the Sox need to sign this free agent, Sox need to sign that free agent, get this guy, get that guy, get whatever. You're going to get no shortage of that stuff in the offseason. But you think Garfine has got the company line and he's giving When it, to it us. comes from Garfine, though, I, you know, like when I was reading this, I was raising my eyebrow the whole time going, you know what? I, I really think this might be, you know, kind of Chuck. Telling us what the organization is going to try to do. And before we get into it, I just do. want to say, I got nothing against Chuck Garfine. No, I'd love no. to have him on the show. I don't think he'd ever come on, though, because he'd be exposing our show, and he's doing a podcast, too. And right, exactly. I, I, I don't think that that <clears throat> makes sense for him to do. But I got I got nothing against the guy, and I actually, in, in uh, he's been around for a long time. I got nothing but respect for him. But I think you're right about this. I think he is one of those people that gets, that, that somebody goes, hey, Chuck, here's what's really going on. Hey Chuck, this is something that we 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 believe, and he's around the team so much. Even if he's not intending to be it, he becomes a mouthpiece for the organization. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. So let's let's unpack this. So this is about okay. The the article is entitled Chuck Garfine's top five free agents of the, that the White Sox should target this season. Now. The first thing <clears throat> that he says here is obviously this is the article that I thought that we were being trolled on as well. Uh, there was another one because he hit his top two. I remember yeah, this now. Yeah. His top two are the ones we talked about before this article came out. But now here's and the, he gave the same reasons. I think. Yeah, but now here's the interesting thing. So obviously at the top of his list, and I'm going to kind of run a lot of these things by you, and then just kind of get your your uh, right. shoot from the All hip right. opinions as. A, so the first thing that he talks about is obviously Manny Machado. Okay. He's, you know, he's number one. All right. Now, 
you know, he says that don't basically don't count on Manny Machado because, you know, he thinks that he seems to think that he's just going to end up with the Yankees, but he still puts Machado at the top of this list. Interestingly enough, though, where does he put Manny Machado uh, at position? He puts him at third base, not shortstop. Well, I don't, so, think I don't think they're going to so, get Machado if that's what their intention is. So, so their so, intention is, Manny, we're going to pay you a bunch of money, but we want you to move to third base. And somebody gives him the same amount of money and says he could play short. He's going to take the other guy. So you could say goodbye to Manny Machado if your intention is to try to put him at third base. I don't know how you convince him to do that. He made that such a big deal that he upset his own team and teammates around him, forced the guy who was at shortstop to move to third base on Baltimore and then gets to the Dodgers and is like, yep, I'm a shortstop, and this is where I play. So for better or worse, probably for worse, you know, that's that's what they're thinking. I mean, they're going to – it seems like, you know, if you read between the lines here, they're going to make a play at Machado, but they're going to try to convince him to to go back to third instead of short, which is a little – which is a little – because, look, you've got a hole at third base, but you also kind of got a hole at short, too. Yeah, well, you and I both believe that we have a hole at short. Ron Kittle and the one oh eighters all think that, that that he's good that Tim Anderson's gonna be great. I think the White Sox still want Anderson to be great. You, we've talked about this before. He was a first round draft choice. Right. And it wasn't he like seventh overall or something, something like, that? like that. I mean I mean teams don't like to give up on their young, controlled guys that they drafted and they believe in. He's going to get more leash on him than I think any he'll get more leash on him than Mancata. That's the scary right, thing. Right. They'll get more leash on him than anybody that they brought in through a trade, than than anybody that they acquired off of waivers, because all those guys you can sit there and say, well, it didn't really cost us that much. But it's hard to look at your fan base and be like, yeah, we drafted wrong there. Mm. And and that's that's the thing. So they want him to blossom. His numbers, though, it's, I always find it really funny about how everybody's like, oh, you know, I, I believe in him and I think he's great and blah, 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 blah. But put him next to Sanchez and Mancata statistically, and they all had the same year. And nobody thinks Sanchez is going to become a star. And people are more down on Mancata than Anderson, and Anderson's been around for a couple Anderson's years. Anderson's year, Anderson's year was a little bit better, I think. Very a slight. A little bit better. Very slight. Very slight. Anderson ended the year a lot better. Well, he ended the year a lot better. That's what people better, are going to remember. And Yomer and 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 completely took a dump right. in the second half well, of the year. I, listen, well, now, so I get what they're doing. They need to fix third more than they need to fix short. Right. So that's why they want him to go play third. So base. his backup. They so could the tell back, him. Think, so, about this. So, well, think about this. Hold on. Okay. They could tell Machado. They could tell Machado, we want you to start over third because we don't have a third baseman. But if Anderson doesn't work out there, our intention is to move you to short, put Mancato over at third, and bring up this magic drill. Right. And they might, they might sit there and tell him, you were starting you at third base, but we know eventually we're going to end up moving you to it's, short, it's most likely. Plugging a, it's Is plugging that a hole. good enough for you to at least start the year at third? I mean, that could yeah. be what they're trying to say. But I get why they're trying to get a third baseman because the need is greater on paper. But I think you and I both agree that the entire left side of the infield needs to be fixed. And now, you know, look, just to just to wrap up the Machado thing, Han, listen, Han has pulled some miracles out of his, you know, backside already. So maybe this will be another one. But anyway, I want to move on. So <laughs> backup plan at third base, Josh Donaldson. Ugh, we both hate that. Well, <clears throat> I mean, he's a plug. 
He's a plug. If you put him in there, you're plugging him in for a couple of years. Here's well, here's the thing that But here's, I think here's I don't the like, thing. Here's, I don't well, like injured here, over 30 third baseman. I love Joe Creedy, but that's what I feel like Josh well, Donaldson's going to Okay, be. so here's here's the injured the, Joe Creedy. I agree with you, but here's 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 a thing that uh Garfine says, right? Um he says there are a couple of other three agents uh set to be three agent third baseman set to be options in 2020. So what they say is, what he says is, if Donaldson is willing to take a one-year deal to prove his healthy, it might be just a good stopgap for yeah, you. Yeah, I know, but I don't think he's going to have to do that. See, I think that there's enough people that are looking for that position that he's going to get more than what his value is. His value, his true value, is a one-year deal because of the injuries. And because of the age. Yes, but somebody will overpay him and give him the extra years, and we're making a mistake doing that. We are. If they do that. He's a mistake to go and get. If let, they do, yeah, if it, they do yeah. that. I, he, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, I get what we need to do a third. I know we got to go out and get a third baseman. Um, I, I, think what, I think my guy was uh, Escobar. So let's talk about the outfield for a second, because this, seemed, this was well, really interesting. Well, his outfielder was the one that I said. Oh, so you've read this. No, 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 no. I, 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 read, I read the first two, okay. and I, that's when I laughed. I was like, I think Chuck's listening to the show. But I didn't get through the whole article. But I know it was Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Next guy. Right, right. But the, remember, we did a podcast a few ago. I can't remember what the name of it was. But I sat there and I, there was a segment in the podcast where I said, my top two, when I was sitting there saying, how would I build a team today? And I said, this will evolve as like, the season goes on. But I said, my top two free agents I was going out and getting were Machado and Jones. Right. And then this article came out a week later with Machado and Jones. Right. I get the Machado thing because everybody's saying Machado. That's but the Jones thing. The Jones thing is this is only the it was me and him that are the only two people so, who said Jones and then, as the second target. So I'm gonna read to you his backup plan. Get your thoughts, and then I'm gonna get my thoughts on this because so backup this, plan for this, Adam Jones, Curtis Granderson, old, very old, one year deal maybe. Yes. Well, that's what he's not even well, playing every day on the team well, that he's that's, on right now. Well, that's now. okay. Well, that's what they're that's what they're that's what he's kind of saying here. He's saying you could get him. You could get him for cheap, less than $5 million, I don't like that. And you could get him for, you know, one year. No, I don't like that. I don't like that. You see, here's what we're doing here, Dave. I mean, if you're reading this article, what you're doing here is you're saying, um, I don't think we're going to get anybody that actually is going to be of value, but we can cheap out and we can go for old broken guys. Which is the White Sox of that's, old. I mean, like, if that's what which the is, mouthpiece which is, is what... trying to tell me, if that's what the mouthpiece is trying to sell me, if the, if the White Sox are trying to sell the Chuck and Chuck is passing this along, the idea that it's okay if we get our backup plans and our backup plan is Josh Donaldson at third base and Curtis Granderson in center field, th- this is horrible. I, I would be so disappointed by that entire thing. I, w- I would just be like, okay, so we went out and we got old and broken. You'd almost be better and to And we put, cheaped out doing it. You'd be better just playing young playing guys. Playing young guys, and, yeah. And, and having another year like 2018. Right. See what I'm saying? No, I know. Like, I agree. I, well, I, I, okay. I don't so, get that. So, I, wouldn't, so I, wouldn't, I don't want an old, broken guy who can't make it through a season standing in the outfield. The more I lose, the more I There's things to be upset about in this article. If you believe what you and I both believe is that he's more of a mouthpiece for the team, 
that indirectly or directly he's getting information. He's, he's got some insider information. He's got some. He's got some say, insight. Because to say he's a mouthpiece kind of is like I, I don't want to put that's him down a, by No, that's a demeaning term. I don't like, want to We're say talking. That. We're talking about like he's got he's got insider information as but, to what the Sox are going to do. He's being convinced. Like I could I I as a person who was in the media for ten years, as somebody who was on multiple radio stations and around people behind the scenes at radio stations across the country. You build relationships with the PR people. You build relationships with the people that are on the team. You build relationships with the other people that are in the media. You get to know everybody and it becomes kind of a club and they become your friends. They're your competitors, but they're also your friends. And the team you're covering or the people that you're around also become friendly with you. And now all of a sudden you're sitting here and you're having a beer or you're hanging out right. and it's in an informal setting and they're telling you something. It, you need you you realize it even as they're telling you that that's something they want you to say. Nobody gives away information for free. See right, what I'm saying? Right. Like nobody ever does it. I used to do that kind of stuff when I was when I wanted to push my radio show or I was trying to push a project that I was doing. I'd stand next to somebody else in the media and I would say something in the hopes it would get printed in their newspaper. See what I'm saying? Right. And and, and they would think that I was just saying it, but I had a me I had a reason to do what I was doing because it's it's basically it's it's a big it's a big game. It's it's how do you promote yourself? How do you get your thing? How do you get your message out? He's a guy who's around the people that want to get a message out, and they look at him and they say, Chuck's cool, and we have a good relationship with Chuck, and we're just gonna kind of tell we're Chuck a few ideas, some, we're gonna some drop ideas, some things yeah. that we're thinking of, and we're gonna see how and, and and we're gonna tell Chuck it's a great idea. And Chuck's gonna be like, you know what? I kind of see your point, guys. It's probably a good idea. And he's around the team, so he, you know, he's like, you know, that's, that's actually a really interesting idea. I, I'll, I'll go back and I'll check on that. That that seems to make sense to me. And he can probably almost convince himself sometimes of the things that they're telling him are like, yeah, that that that, that seems to be the right direction. I think that's where this is coming from. So a couple of our- without knowing him personally, right. that's how I would feel. No, I, so so what that tells me is what you said. The center field's a problem, which we heard from James Fox from Loose Sports right. a few weeks ago on the show, and that that was his inside words that they don't believe in center field. So center field's got to be fixed and third base. So center field and third base are the two big things. Yeah. The problem is I don't like the solution of what Chuck's writing. This is the guy we should get, but we're probably not going to get him. So here's the old broken guy that we're going to put in his place. It's cheaper. Right. That frightens me. So let me ask you, we got two other names here. Um, just out, you know, just when you scroll down, Chuck puts him in this whole like number five cat, like, cause he kind of breaks the article down by position. But he he puts an interesting thing at the end where he's kind of trying to pluck, um, you know, players from other uh, teams in the central. Like he talks about like the, t- the the title of the bullet point is can't beat him, sign him. Michael Brantley. I don't get that. Michael Brantley. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't I'm, I'm I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I would rather have Brantley roaming the outfield than Curtis Granderson. OK. And, and here's the reason. Overall in their career, Granderson is, of course, a better player than him. But, but Granderson Granderson's is not going to play 150 no, games he's 37 for you this years. Year. He's 37 he's not. years old. He's a, he's a platoon, plug-in, pinch hit, going to be on the 10-day DL at least five times. Mm. I don't see what that does for you. No. You know, yeah. unless you're ready to bring up Blake Rutherford, who I'm seeing is there is getting a little bit of video. The White Sox put out something this week on Twitter with Chris Getz sitting there talking about Blake Rutherford and his approach at the plate and how impressed he is by him and everything I else. I wonder like if that. you I wonder and, if you might I wonder if you might see that him. That was a little propaganda I and I wonder if, if the intention is let's see if we'll see him. Maybe we want to we'll get people excited year. about him. Yeah. Because because I think anytime they put that stuff out is propaganda. 
And, of and, of course, it's all of course, propaganda. They're of not, course. They're, so they're trying to, to, to get you to, to buy into what their direction is. And there must be on their tree of possibilities this offseason, Blake Rutherford. There must be a scenario where we didn't get this guy, we didn't get this, this, this guy, it's time for Blake Rutherford. Or we're going to get Granderson and he's going to fill a hole until we bring up uh, mid-year, Rutherford. Mid year. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Right. And so we're building people to start to think that Rutherford is coming up. And, and, and so that's, see, that's interesting. I haven't read that. I haven't right. seen any of that. Because I, I think that's the, 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 the interesting thing about the offseason is that now you look at the team, you go, what does the team's media department put out? What do the guys like Garfine say in their articles? And, and what can you interpret that is going on with the team? I think, I think it's pretty obvious. Center field's an issue. Third base is an issue. Third base is an issue. There's still a belief in Tim Anderson. Yeah. The, and, and the belief that they have the answer for Anderson or Mancata, if they're hoping both of them don't completely fail. They need one of them to break through. Yes. See what I'm saying? Yes. And, they, and, they, and the other one will be replaced by Magidrol. My dad believes Magidrol's coming next year. Next year. That quick. Wow. I mean, he was he was on his he was just yelling about it to me on the phone the other day. He's like, that kid's coming. That kid never strikes out. That kid hits like crazy. I'm like, you can't do that. He needs like minor league at bats. He's like, forget that. And he started naming off ball players. Like just naming off ball player after ball player after ball players. Like this guy went single A to the to, to the to the majors in like a year. There's no rule that you have to do that. And he was just like rattling them all off. Yeah, but, I, yeah but I mean he's rattling off guys from a long time ago too. But he's right. that was his I that was his belief. Listen, I he don't think this guy's coming. Listen, I don't think the Sox Han has made it abundantly clear he's not in a position to rush anybody up here. No, I don't think he's rushing it. So I don't know if you're gonna But I think he's the I think that their belief is this is the backup if things don't work out in the middle infield and they think that at least as internally as an organization, whether or not it's right or wrong. And that's why it's center field and third base. Who are the other guys? Cause there were well, five guys right on that list. No, well, there's five different, there's five different categories. What were the other talking, categories? So third base we've covered outfield. Right. We've covered, uh, can't beat him, sign him. We've just covered, which also kind of covers your outfield. But he probably was like probably anyway. looking at starting pitcher. Well, starting pitch. Okay, so starting so pitcher. What, what were some of you, what were some of your guys that you? Well, remember? the two guys so, I wanted was Trevor, Trevor Cahill and Nathan Eovaldi were my n- number one and number two. I know James Fox when he was on the show a couple of uh, episodes ago mentioned Gio Gonzalez, but after Gonzalez hurt himself in the Brewers series. And it was just because he stepped funny. Mm. I always worry about old pitchers that are starting to have weird injuries. Like I'm just in my pitching motion and my leg goes bad. Like I, I, I'm, I'm just not. But that's a guy I know that the organization keeps throwing out there. So he's a possibility. But my two guys were Eovaldi and Cahill. Even though Eovaldi now has been so great in the postseason, the Red Sox might not let him go. So he talks about two guys. One, Gio Gonzalez. You've already mentioned that. That's right. his backup plan. Uh, J.A. Happ is on this list. Well, they, you know, J.A. Happ is a guy that makes sense because J.A. Happ is from Ottawa, Illinois. He's a local guy. He, I mean, that, that's local enough. Actually, Ottawa, Illinois, if you didn't know this, is one of the five original suburbs of Chicago, even though it's an hour and a half away. I did not know Because that. it was connected by rail, so it was considered to be a suburb. He's got ties like how Jim Tomey had ties. You his, see what I'm saying? His logic is you're probably going to be able to get him out from under the Yankees because he says the Yankees are trying to sign both Machado and Dallas Keuchel. Right. So with that kind of money, it's good for the Yankees. Take Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, That's please. A mistake. No, I get you. Okay. Um, you know, you're stupid. They're trying to sign both of those. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to sign both of those guys. Um, but they might not have enough money left. To, so Hap might be the odd man out. 
So well, that's I, why that's why he's saying that you think well, you could I think get Hap, him. I think Hap is a name that makes sense. Listen, we're gonna get a we're gonna know a lot about what their plan is with the pitching thing when the Shields decision is made. When they either buy him out and let him go, or they pick up the option. And this is all gonna happen pretty much yeah, right after that's the That's really Series. gonna be an indication as to what this team is doing. I'm telling you right now, if they pay him sixteen million dollars to come back and basically be a coach for their young pitchers yeah, I don't, and pitch every fifth game, you can count out this season seeing enough other guys c- coming in and being an influx. Well, We're getting 2018 all over. Okay, well, let me ask you this, though. What if what if you're not paying him $16 million? What if you... What let him if go you, and he re-signs for something? Yeah. Or Why would he you, do that? I don't, I don't Why know. Why would he do that? He's not going to do that. Why because nobody that? else is going to pay him $16 million. Money. These, Listen, this is a business. He's got money that's supposed to come to him, and he's going to sit there and he's going to do that? Not a chance. Okay. He doesn't do that at I'd least, read, I'd just he say, do that at least that, with his Chris. agent. He doesn't do that at least with his agent laughing at them and saying he'll just go someplace else and make more money and keep your – because think about it this way. Here's the thing. If they buy I, him out for $2 million, just think about this. If they buy him out for $2 million, okay, okay then he gets bought out for $2 million, He can go someplace else and sign a $7 million deal he made $9 million for the year. Are you giving him seven million? No, the only reason I asked that is because I had actually read that somewhere. Yeah, I forget I where think, I read that. I think that's people spitballing. I'm not a fan of that. Okay. I think it's an indication of, of real problems. What are you what are you doing about okay, so what are you doing about the bullpen this year? Nothing. Nothing. I'm doing nothing with the okay. bullpen this year. I'm, I I I said I already I was letting Nate Jones go. I wasn't tendering him. So Chuck- I was non tendering Nate Jones, and I was bringing up because you have three guys. And it's another one. I, I, we got to have him back on again because it, it really stirred the conversation when we had James Fox on from Loop Sports. Um, we got three guys in AAA that are pitchers that are starting pitchers that need to end up on the forty-man roster, right? Because of that rule. Because of the but none rule of five. these guys, none of these guys really project to be starters in the majors. So you bring them up, put them. So in you the bring bullpen. them up and you put them in the bullpen now. So you you are you have an influx of pitchers that are on their way. And you know what? Here's the thing. If, if the playoffs are proving anything, you can draft a kid. You could draft a kid that's got two good pitches and throws fire. He could spend a month and a half in single A and be called up to be on the major league roster and come out and pitch massive big-time innings in the postseason because it's happening right now. Relief pitchers are just, they're meat. That's what they are. They're <laughs> meat. That's, what they, that's all a relief pitcher is. It's a guy who you can put in there that throws a pitch or two that's a bad matchup for somebody else, and you just need to have a couple of those guys who are red hot at the right time. The, 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 there are more guys in Major League Baseball right now that are relief pitchers that are just nothing more than meat. They're so, a guy that comes out, throws, they got a two-year career, they're gone. Because Carson Fulmer is going to come up as a relief pitcher next year, too. Let's talk you forgot about, about him. You got Fulmer and the other three AAA guys. You've got enough meat so in let's your AAA talk, system so, so to come in and do your bullpen. I'm going to talk to you about what Han said. Okay. This is a quote from, this is a quote from Rick Han. Um, the prices to go out and build a good, proven bullpen right now are awfully steep. That's coming for the White Sox in the coming years. But it's but not that's until the, they're that, ready. But that's the part that scares me, he says. He says... Continues, you have to be, this is all quote from Han, you have to be right on those. When you're betting 14 to 20 million on a seventh inning guy, you better be right. What that tells me is that exactly what you're talking about now, and I have said this before also, bullpen guys, okay, you, you, they come out of nowhere, 
They're good for a little while, a year or two, and then they're done. They have a very, very short shelf life. So it's, it, it makes no sense to go out and, and spend money at that area when you have, when it, it's, you're just as likely to be able to home grow your bullpen. If a team is willing to let a guy go who's a good bullpen guy, when if you look at the numbers, you go, I don't know. I mean, it's he's expensive, but he's good for them, and they're trying to compete, and they let him go. That means they know. They've looked at him, and they've said he's got nothing different than anybody else. He's just been in the right situation at the right time. Because really, the bullpen comes down to how does your manager manage a bullpen? I think, the, I think that's the one thing that managers make a difference with more than anything else that they do is how they use the bullpen. Because these guys, there are too many guys in the majors that are good on one team in the bullpen and bad on the next team for you not to say it's because somebody doesn't know how to use them. Like I said, they're meat. They throw one or two pitches. They throw them pretty good, and they have to be put in there against a guy who's not good against them. For the same reason now that, like how Ron Kittle said last week, back when I was a guy in, 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 in baseball, I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying, we didn't do this platoon stuff. Now you got a guy you can put you can put Pelka on one side, put Davison for other pitchers. See what I'm saying? Right. And you can mix and match with your DH position. So if that's what it's like right now with your hitters, that's what it's like right now with your bullpen. That's pretty much it. I mean, you know, really, really interesting this coming from Garfine once again because number one, a couple of these guys on this list, you know, we've talked about like you know, for example. Adam Jones has been mentioned. J.A. Happ has been mentioned down on this podcast once or twice, right? So I don't understand very, why nobody's talking Andrew McCutcheon. I don't know if they, I put him in center field, though, anymore. I think he's they, gotten old. Unless they know something we don't. Maybe their feeling is we need somebody who can still play def- defense in center field, and we're not really worried about a bat, and we don't want to put him out there. Maybe there's some kind of metric where they sit there and they say he just wouldn't be good for the way our team is set up. I, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, the, the, would that be the sabermetrics department of the White Sox front office? There's only two guys in that. There's discussed. only two guys in that. Yeah, just two guys. <laughs> Rick, and when Rick talks into the mirror, those oh, are the two God. guys. Does that count as two? Yeah. Rick Hahn, oh, and when Rick Hahn talks into the mirror, those are the two guys. Does Rick Hahn, you think, talk sabermetrics with himself in the mirror because nobody? I don't else think anybody in the, else in that building. Nobody does. else in the building knows how yeah. to talk sabermetrics. He just wants to come out and be like, hey, "Have you seen the whip on Nathan Eovaldi? I'm thinking about him. What the hell is that?" He's kind of like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. What's his girlfriend to, look like? That's how you judge a pitcher. He's like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver, talking to himself <laughs> in the mirror. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is basement. And the nude is basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And by the looks. It's gonna be a good one. Nudie's basement. Oh, broadcast basement. The Nudie's basement. The broad basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Socks in the basement. <laughs> Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.